When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 75 years ago today, on the 22nd of June, 1948, the Empire Windrush became the symbol of a generation. The ship carried more than a thousand Commonwealth citizens, mainly from the Caribbean, who'd been invited over by the British government to help with labour shortages after the war. Like the many boatfuls that followed, they'd been granted the right to remain in the UK. In the decades that followed, the Windrush generation and their children and their grandchildren have become a key part of British society. Mr. Marcus Rashford, for services to vulnerable children in the United Kingdom. Hello, everybody. I'm Ainsley Harriet, and I'm going to be cooking a recipe from my Super Meals cookbook, and it tastes absolutely fantastic. From a child of the Windrush generation to a seat in the House of Lords, Baroness Floella Benjamin, today became the first black Caribbean woman to be awarded the Order of Merit. Because the English people are very but now, the term Windrush has lost some of the joy of that generation, and instead, it's come to represent a scandal. They face deportation, Absolutely. detention, a scandal. So many of the Windrush generation are simply living in confusion. Yes, it upset me a great deal, because my daughter-in-law died last February, and I couldn't go. Is Windrush a unique mistake caused by officials, or was it the policy, the political atmosphere, a toxic, racist undercurrent driven by public alarm over immigration? The inquiry into the scandal branded the Home Office and the policy they were following of creating a hostile environment for immigrants as being guilty of institutional racism. The Prime Minister at the time, Theresa May, promised help. The UK government will do whatever it takes, including where appropriate payment of compensation, to resolve the anxieties and problems which some of the Windrush generation have suffered. Five years later, why have so few of the victims of the Windrush scandal received compensation? 
Three years after the scheme was launched, only 5% of people eligible for payments have actually received any. The Home Affairs Select Committee has found that the scheme which was meant to compensate victims has itself added to their trauma and distress. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, why the victims of the Windrush scandal are still waiting for justice. Sorry, I'll just wait for this helicopter to go past. Sorry. The risks uh, of working in Parliament. Ah, oh, damn, sorry. Sorry. Don't worry, don't worry. Dodging obstacles in Westminster is our correspondent who's been following the Windrush scandal closely. Hello, I'm Matt Dathan. I'm the Home Affairs Editor at The Times. I'm currently in Parliament. There's no spare rooms that I could find, so I'm sitting outside on the the terrace just outside The Times parliamentary room on the roof of Parliament. So forgive me uh, if you hear the sounds of helicopters or the bonging of Big Ben. Matt, when we talk about the Windrush generation, who are we talking about? Yes, the Windrush generation refers to sort of around about half a million people who came from Commonwealth countries, mainly the Caribbean, between 1948 and 1973, roughly. The first generation, uh, 492 passengers, came on 22nd of June 1948, 75 years ago, on the first post-war ship to fill labour shortages known as Windrush. HMT Empire Windrush. Yeah. Hence the name. And in the decades that have followed, you know, the people who came over then and their descendants have contributed hugely to the NHS, to the jobs that they do, to the culture of Britain. But in 2012, a new immigration policy was introduced. Just take us back to that moment. What happened? Yes, in 2012, two years into her job as Home Secretary, Theresa May gave an interview to The Telegraph. She said her aim was to, quote, create here in Britain a really hostile environment for illegal migration. It was this uh, hostile environment strategy, essentially empowering figures across society, whether it be employers, the authorities, local councils, to become immigration enforcement officers effectively. It was designed to tackle Britain's unknown number of illegal migrants, estimated anywhere between 600,000 to 1.2 million. So that was the policy of Theresa May. And, And let's just go back quickly to the Immigration Act of 1971. Go on, fill us in. <laughs> <laughs> it's an important context for the scandal that we'll talk about because that 1971 Immigration Act provided that foreign nationals who were ordinarily resident in the UK on January the 1st, 1973, were deemed to have settled status, so indefinitely to remain. However, in practice, many of those people had been living and have been living in the UK for decades without any documentary proof of their immigration and nationality status. And this became increasingly problematic as immigration policies over the decades have become more and more stringent and more and more enforcement of those policies and immigration legislation was enacted. So hang on, did that mean that anybody who was here in 1973 when that law went through, they were given settled status? They didn't have to do anything else in order to be allowed to stay here as a citizen? Yes, that's right. So they were given indefinite leave to remain and the children of many of the Windrush generation were also given that status. So the Windrush generation do have legal rights to be here. What went wrong in 2012? 
Yes, that's right. They have the legal status to remain here, but they didn't have the documentation to prove it. The hostile environment strategy required much more stringent enforcement by employers and often people were threatened with eviction from housing. It also required people when they're applying for health care to prove their status and uh, with the threat of enforcement if they didn't. And when faced with immigration enforcement, people had to prove their right to residence in the UK for every single year that they've been here. And you can just see how much people struggled given that they didn't have the, the documentation in the first place. I mean, how would you begin to put together all of those? I mean, even in the current digital age, I think we would struggle to prove a lot of the documentation for every single year that we've lived here. So, yeah, they were falsely deemed as illegal migrants. I mean, this was all under the wider umbrella of Theresa May's hostile environment, which was, let's remember, never intending to remove these Windrush generation people. This was designed to crack down on people living here illegally and also creating a deterrent for people to come here illegally. So it was never an intentional outcome. But it was, it was proof of the institutional blindness of the Home Office to a big part of Britain's post-war history. Yeah. And these are people who've lived here for, for decades, if possibly might have been born here. Yes. And then some even lost their right to remain in the UK. And those targeted for removal, I think in 2018, the then Home Secretary Sajid Javid said that 164 people had been either detained or wrongly removed. So these people were detained pending their removal, suddenly being told that they don't have the right to remain in the UK. We've determined around 164 people, we believe, were wrongly detained or wrongly removed. What happened to some of the Windrush generation is completely unacceptable at every level. So varying degrees of impact, but equally devastating, losing their jobs or not being able to apply for jobs. Yeah, I mean, being completely frozen out of your life because of, you know, what feels like a bureaucratic error. It's the documentation they didn't have. It's not that they weren't allowed to be in the country. When this was raised, when it came up, and when people realised what was happening, what did the government do? What did they say, and how did they try to address the scandal? It was late 2017, the Guardian newspaper began reporting stories of long-standing UK residents who were being wrongly classed as illegal migrants. Every time you published an article, more people would get in touch or more mm. small legal charities would say, we've seen a bit of this. But everybody was puzzled by it because mm. they thought it was just something weird that was happening. The Windrush scandal really dominated UK politics uh, for several months. This is a day of national shame and it has come about because of a hostile environment policy that was begun under her Prime Minister. I think that David Lammy's he's done a great job on all this. This government has massively dropped the ball on this. I blame the Prime Minister. I think it was a desperate measure for her to bring down the immigration figures. And it led to the resignation of Amber Rudd, the then Home Secretary. Well, Downing Street says it has just accepted the resignation of its Home Secretary. Rudd told lawmakers this week she wasn't aware that people were being deported to meet quotas. But a leaked document published by the Guardian newspaper appeared to suggest otherwise. And when the government realised that this policy, as you say, which was never intended to target the Windrush generation, when they realised that it was, what did they do to try to address that terrible injustice? Yeah, so following the, the Guardian's revelations late 2017, by the spring of 2018, the Home Office acknowledged serious shortcomings in its treatment of the Windrush generation and introduced 
the Windrush scheme, first of all, which basically invited everyone who had come to the UK as part of that generation before 1973 to come forward and they would face no enforcement activity. They would be able to have their status as UK residents confirmed. Now this is separate to the compensation scheme. First and foremost, the government wanted to make sure that everyone was able to get their settled status confirmed so there wouldn't be a repeat of the scandal. So, they, so they get the documents they need? Yeah, they get the documents. And it was also just to give them the confidence and the assurance that the state was not going to try and remove them ever again. And the Home Office made a commitment that there would be a firewall between the data that they collected from the Windrush scheme and immigration enforcement. So even though it's the same department which deals with immigration enforcement, there was to be no sharing of that data. And that was the assurance they gave in 2018. And you mentioned compensation too. What was the deal with that? So the compensation scheme was set up after the Windrush scheme in April 2019. And this was to compensate people who had been impacted by the Windrush scandal. So that doesn't just refer to those people who were detained or deported, because that was a relatively low number. Yeah, uh, that's uh, up to 164 you mentioned. Yes, it was anyone who could prove an impact to their life following the hostile environment policies. So that could be anything from loss of a job, loss of uh, housing, and it might have been also that they were even targeted for removal, even if they hadn't been detained or removed. So that's what the compensation scheme was set up to do. But I mean, I think all along that the Home Office and, and also campaigners that the Windrush scheme was seen as much more important than the Windrush compensation scheme. Because to a lot of people of that generation who I've spoken to and we've heard from, having your status as a British citizen is much more important than compensation. And how many people do we think would qualify for compensation who would have been affected in one of those ways? So they originally estimated about 15,000 compensation scheme applicants could come forward, but they had really no idea. So far, more than 16,000 people who've had their British status confirmed under the Windrush scheme. And the compensation scheme separately, as of April 2023, so as the end of April this year, 6,122 claims have been lodged. Of those, 3,887 final decisions have been made. About 1,500 of those compensation has been offered. And do we think that's the total number of people who were affected? Or do we think there's a lot of people, you know, who, as you say, aren't coming forward almost because they don't trust the government on this? The Home Office, I asked the same question to official working on this on the Windrush scheme last week. And uh, the the truth is that they simply don't know. So altogether, we know that about 16,000 people have had their documentation sorted, but only about 10% of that have been paid compensation so far. Do we know why that is? Well, if you ask the Home Office, it would, they would say it's because while lots of people didn't have their status confirmed, the, the huge majority of those didn't have an impact to life of the hostile environment policies. And are there people who feel like they've been unfairly told they weren't impacted? Yes, they have. And, and, and also people who are unhappy with the compensation that they've been offered. And, and that's why there's so many outstanding cases. So of those figures that I just quoted, of just over 6,000 claims been made, there's only about 60% have had final decisions. So there's yeah, about 40% of outstanding decisions. And Matt, what kind of compensation have people received? It's hugely varying in numbers. I think the maximum 
compensation claim that has been offered is about 400 about £400,000, and I think that refers to someone who was deported. But the, the vast majority of claims are, that, that have been paid money are around about sort of ten to £30,000. And why is the process taking so long? Again, various reasons. The, the complication of the scheme, the, the amount of documentation, ironically, for a scandal that was all about the lack of documentation is requiring oh. quite a lot of documentation. But I mean, I guess the Home Office would argue that they've, because of the lack of documentation, they've got to go through any available records that the Home Office or the government might hold to, to make sure someone is eligible. But what the Home Office has done to try and sort of reassure people who are getting frustrated at the length of the process is that they brought in a preliminary process by which once the Home Office is within days decided that you were eligible for the scheme and you had an impact to life, the Home Office would offer you £10,000 and that would be paid within, within a few weeks. Matt, as the Home Affairs Editor at The Times, you deal with the Home Office on a daily basis. Do you think it's learnt from the mistakes of the Windrush scandal? It really depends who you talk to. I think a lot of people who are alarmed at the latest policies coming out of the Home Office, and most notably the Illegal Migration Bill, would point to that legislation and say, how can you claim to learn the lessons from the Windrush scandal when actually you're bringing in far more radical hostile environment policies targeting illegal migrants than Theresa May ever did in 2012? This illegal migration bill will will make it incredibly hard for, for migrants to live here who don't have documentation to register for employment, for healthcare, etc. So that would be the argument from external critics. And also, if you, if you look back at Wendy Williams's lesson learnt re- report last year, she said that Home Office had broken its pledges to transform its culture and become more compassionate. But if you ask people inside the Home Office who've been working there over decades, they would say that the Home Office has really made a real deliberate attempt to change its culture through training for staff on how to really tackle unconscious bias. They would also argue that since the Lessons Learned Review last March 2022, the Home Office has made a lot of progress. I don't think anyone will come out categorically and say the Home Office has completely transformed itself. It's, it's learned all the lessons of Windrush and there's nothing more, no more progress to be made. It's very much a, a work in progress, but to varying degrees, depending on who you talk to. Coming up, we'll hear from someone who is still fighting for compensation. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. 
That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. political battle has raged over the Windrush scandal and the government and home office's handling of it. But for the victims stuck in the middle, the nightmare continues. We heard from one person who is still, five years on, waiting for compensation. I'm Janet McKay-Williams the partner of Anthony Bryan, Windrush victim. And Janet, just take us back to 2016 when the Windrush scandal first broke. What happened to disrupt your life? and What happened to your husband, Anthony Bryan? They came here at the age of nine in 1965. Never left the country. I don't think he even wanted to leave during that time, but he never left. He's worked here all his life, got his national insurance number at 16. He had everything that even I had because I was born here. So there was no different. So was the first time you realised something was up when he was applying for his passport? Yeah. I started to apply for it for him and I thought, where's your birth certificate? And in the end, I realised he's only got a Jamaican birth certificate. So I said, OK, let's just do a neutralisation, because I knew that's what I had to do with my dad years after he was living here. My dad came here in the early 50s, and I still had to do a neutralisation for him at that time, so I knew what I was doing. Naturalisation is the name of the legal process to get official citizenship here in Britain. As Janet says, she'd already gone through the process, but in 2016, the Home Office would come calling at Anthony's door. When I started to do Anthony's one, I realised he's got no documents at all. But um, they were saying, no, you're illegal. You, have, you need documents, you need citizenship. Well, you wasn't born here. Things like that they were saying. And you have to leave. Eventually they came to his house, knocked down the doors and arrested him and locked him up into a detention centre. And he was under threats of deportation at that time. So you go from, you know, this is a man who's lived here for decades, who's had a national insurance number, who's worked, who's paid taxes, has a doctor as part of the system, applies for a passport, and suddenly he's being threatened with deportation. Just tell us, how did that feel? I mean, how did it feel for him when suddenly he's being marched off to a detention centre? He was destroyed about that. I mean, even when they marched in there and they said, right, you have to go to Jamaica now, as he's never been in prison or locked up before, he signed the papers that they were giving him to deport him. Me and his son had to like say, no, no, you can't do that. Don't be silly. You don't know Jamaica. You've never been there. That must have been terrifying, though. It was. It was hard. I mean, we literally just moved into our home and he didn't get to move his things in because the same day they came and 
took him 160 miles away. And they kept him there for three weeks. What was that like? Oh, that was a nightmare. <laughs> then when you listened to him on the phone, you could hear how depressed he was. That was hard. Anthony was detained twice, for five weeks in total. Eventually, he was released and his documentation was approved. And in 2018, he even received an apology letter from the then Home Secretary, Sajid Javid. Anthony had lost his job and his earnings as the legal process dragged on, leaving Janet to foot the bills for their home. So when the Windrush Compensation Scheme was introduced in 2019, both Anthony and Janet applied. I tried to do it myself, and then I realised that the paperwork, it was too much information. Then I was told that there's a solicitor that uh, does it pro bono. So we decided to go up there and get it filled out by them. But this took nearly a year to get any answer. And all the questions they were asking were questions they were asking when we tried to get his citizenship. You had to explain um, what you're claiming for, really. Like, for example, we're claiming for detention. And then you've got to fill out about another eight pages, even though they know he's been locked up for um, five weeks into incidents. They still wanted to know where he went, what day was he locked up. I mean, all that's on their system. So to me, that's a lot of rubbish. <laughs> the forms are made to let you give up. That's how I see it. And a year later, a year after you've submitted your forms, you've heard nothing. Then they sent um thing to say that Anthony's entitled to £97,000. <laughs> and 70000 wow. of that was impact on life. Even now, he's still impacted by it. So, I mean, he suffers from COPD now, which he couldn't get a doctor, so that wasn't diagnosed until 2017 when he got his paperwork and was able to register with a doctor. So because they'd taken away his paperwork, even though he'd been registered with a doctor before, he couldn't see a doctor through all that period? Yeah, because he didn't have photographic ID. He's got no compensation for loss of health care, no compensation for loss of wages. Because he couldn't work through all this period. He lost his job. Yeah, there's no compensation for that at all. I mean, we're still in debt now trying to catch up, no matter how much money you get. And he's not able to work at all now. So it's even worse. That must be so hard. And for you, were you offered any compensation? Yeah, I was offered 40000 <laughs> for impact on life. Nothing to do with paying all the bills while he was locked up and unable to work. Have you been paid anything during this process? No, I applied for an interim payment and just gave me the 7000 that I asked for. I just think it's rubbish, honestly. That can't do nothing. It's not worth it. That can't do nothing for impact on no one's life. Are you appealing? Yeah, definitely, yeah. And in the meantime, they're not paying even the amount that they have agreed? No, because that's still in the appeal, the 40000 So I've just left it until they've, like, made it better. And Janet, you know, some people listening will say, that's a lot of money. Yeah, definitely. And this is now going to drag on, won't help you. Have you thought about just accepting it <sighs> in order to be able to move on? He's said he's going to accept his, definitely. But, like, 40000 I've lost more than that. 
So if they've given me back what I've lost, I'm fine. I'll take it. Janet is one of many. 40% of the claims that have been lodged for compensation are still awaiting an answer. We spoke to one of the lawyers dealing with Windrush victims to find out what was going wrong. My name's Syra Javed. I am a supervising solicitor at Joint Council for the Welfare of Immigrants. Our connection to the Windrush scheme was that we were one of the first organisations involved in bringing the whole scandal to light. And Sara, tell me a little bit about some of the clients you've seen. If I take the example of a case that I'm still dealing with, who is an extremely vulnerable lady, who has dedicated most of her working life to the NHS as a nurse, Mm. but returned to her country of origin for a short period of time, what she thought would be a short period of time, but found herself unable to return due to lack of documentation and became stranded. Her children brought her to the UK and a process of trying to get documented began. Unfortunately, her memory is failing. She has a diagnosis of dementia and we're we're trying to assist to piece together her life. And it's a little difficult to, you know, even now, some would say many years have passed, but it is still shocking. There is so much healing still to be done. And Sarah, the other way the Home Office was trying to make up for the awful trauma that the scandal caused was through a compensation scheme. Are there any problems with the way that's been working? Unfortunately, a number of issues have arisen. The compensation scheme contains a number of bureaucratic insensitivities that led to the Windrush scandal. Those, unfortunately, I think, have still not been addressed. There needs to be a great deal of accountability in terms of it. The decision-making comes from within the Home Office. And one of the criticisms that not just voiced by JCWI, but many organisations, as well as internal reviews by the Home Office, have been that it needs to be dealt with by an independent organisation. So it should be done outside the Home Office? Yes. It is very procedurally heavy in terms of the level of information, as well as the level of documentation and evidence thresholds that are required, respectively, I would say that they are unrealistic, as well as insensitive to what has happened to the applicants that are making those applications. Their entire lives were detrimentally impacted. For example, if you are stating that I was unable to be employed and I lost X, Y and Z jobs this many times, and you're trying to say that I would have loss of earnings. How do you document that? Rather than simply by giving an, a detailed account, but then to be asked for further evidence, it's extremely insensitive. And it's interesting, your point that this should be independent. That is backed by a parliamentary report in 2021, which said the same thing. The Home Affairs Committee thought this shouldn't be done within the Home Office. And Human Rights Watch have been saying the same thing, that you know you can't have the scheme being run by the agency that caused the problem. Human Rights Watch also pointed out that the scheme is so complicated that people really need to be given legal aid and a right of appeal to an independent tribunal outside of the Home Office in order to be able to navigate it. Does that chime with your experience? It definitely does. The lack of legal aid is such a fundamental problem. 
in which even where people have tried to navigate this system by themselves and submitted their applications in and even assessing the level of compensation that they can get, it's such a difficult position to do this by yourself. And that is something that the government really does need to urgently address. And Syra, Human Rights Watch have actually called this compensation scheme is failing and unfit for purpose. We know that about 40% of the claimants so far are still waiting to hear if they've got compensation or not. Why is the process taking so long? You've got procedural delays, you've got lack of staffing, and then you have an expectation of high evidence threshold, like every word that you say or every point that you are making must be backed by another piece of evidence because we inherently have a culture of distrust in the applicants. And that culture creates an atmosphere where, unfortunately, applications are not processed fairly, justly, and then where people have been given decisions. If they do not agree with those decisions, there needs to be a proper mechanism in which they can voice their concerns, have an independent appeal. The compensation scheme doesn't have that mechanism available, which means that people need to go back to the decision maker, which creates further delays. And Syrah, quite soon after this scandal broke, the Home Office was being described as institutionally racist. Have you seen a change in the way that they're dealing with claimants over the years that sort of tries to address that perception, that tries to show that things have changed or that was a misunderstanding? Unfortunately, both as an organisation and from an individual caseworker myself, I can't see that change taking place in February this year when the report came out. We really hoped that this was a watershed moment in which the government would listen and create a system of reform and address those issues. But however, we have seen a lack of commitment to reform, which has meant that progress is too slow and at the moment cannot be felt by the people that are most impacted. Instead, We've seen a government that pursues the implementation and expansion of the hostile environment, which within the same February report stated that the hostile environment disproportionately impacts people of colour. We have read that there's disbanding of units which were responsible for reforming the department after the Windrush crisis when the work is far from done. This lack of commitment is very, very disappointing. Janet, for you, in terms of the other damage that it's done to you, I mean, what sort of lasting impact has the whole thing had on you and Anthony? I don't think he'll ever get over that. Like, being locked away, I mean, even now, it's like, if a door knocks too hard, you'll get upset over it. I don't mean crying upset, like, most likely go to the door and say to the postman, why are you knocking the door so hard? Things like that. Well, the slightest thing will upset him, or if he's got no money, he's a bit depressed and things like that, knowing he can't work and have his money. Someone that's used to having money and being able to save some has got none at all. 
Does he feel secure in this country now? I don't think so. <laughs> Does he still worry it might happen again? Well, anything's possible, but at the moment he's just sitting there waiting for whatever he's got to get and then decide what he wants to do. But anything's possible in his eyes. He doesn't trust no one. We put the issues raised in this podcast to the Home Office, who told us, we remain absolutely committed to righting the wrongs of Windrush and have paid or offered more than £72 million in compensation to the people affected, but we know there is more to do. We have made good progress on implementing the vast majority of recommendations from Wendy Williams' report, and we will make sure that similar injustices can never be repeated. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, Home Affairs Editor at The Times, Matt Dathan, Supervising Solicitor at the JCWI, Syrah Javid, and Janet McKay-Williams. You can read more of Matt's work at thetimes.co.uk, and we'll put a link to yesterday's piece on the compensation scheme in the episode description. Also, for more on the Windrush generation and the scandal, do have a look at The Times' extensive coverage of the 75th anniversary of Windrush. The producers today were Sam Chantarasak and James Shield. The executive producer is Kate Ford, and sound design was by David Crackles. If you enjoyed this episode, please do leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.